Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another stellar show headed your way. Today, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that's been happening as soon as I turn off my phone. We have uh, a big shift over at the UFC 294 card in Abu Dhabi. And we're talking about not like prelims or anything. We're talking about main event and co-main event. And I'm sure some of you have either heard it all or heard the rumors, but we're going to unpack it all. We're going to start there. And then there's just all kinds of other massive news. I mean, it, it, honestly, there's you can start anywhere. Uh, lots going on with, obviously, the biggest sport. Sorry, the biggest star in our sport, Conor McGregor. Filed his paperwork. We knew that. And it's been received. We knew that. Only USADA is going to just track him for the next couple months. And then that's it, because USADA and the UFC, they're breaking up. So cool news out of California, our home state. And, of course, we'll uh, tell you the latest with UFC Fight Night 230. That still seems to be intact. Sadiq Youssef versus Edson Barbosa. And a guest, yes, uh, Derek Brunson will be our guest. He's now with PFL. He will debut as a middleweight with uh, Ray Cooper III, a former welterweight champion. But he'll be doing his season as a light heavyweight. So, uh yeah i mean he got things done quick i mean he was in he was in rumors to fight in december for the ufc as a middleweight and all of a sudden a big change in his career anyway we'll be right back to start the show well goes no longer do we have Charles Oliveira challenging Islam Makhachev for the lightweight title at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. In his last hard sparring, one day before he was scheduled to leave for Abu Dhabi, and this is down in Brazil, he got cut right above the eyebrow. There are images to back it up. Nobody's questioning that. But it was pretty gnarly. And that happened uh, a few days back. But they felt like there just wouldn't be enough time for this thing to clear, at least according to the doctors. Uh, and Dana White pretty much agreed. Now, the unfortunate thing is for Dana and the UFC is they obviously started hustling to get a backup fighter. And there already was one. It was Matthias Gamron. So you would have thought he would have slid in, right? But the UFC started scrambling because they got some deals out there with these guys in Abu Dhabi. They want to present the best shows possible. And I guess they felt like, well, that's our absolute emergency guy last minute, it looks like, Gamrock. Because what the UFC managed to do is they got Alexander Volkanovsky off the couch. Those are Volkanovsky's words. To agree to fly to Abu Dhabi and get his rematch against Islam Makhachev. React goes. Okay, I'm going to react a couple ways. One, I'm going to react based off of the UFC. If I work for the UFC, am I happy? I probably am. 
because it's a big fight. You're delivering a big fight. At the end of the day, you might even be, be, be delivering a bigger fight than what you had before. And if you have partners and all that, they're going to be happy. If I'm going to react as a fan, I also may be happy in the sense that I'm probably going to be tuning into a good fight with a good storyline behind it. If I react as a hardcore fan or as a media member, I'm not as happy. And I'm going to tell you why. I shit on that first fight the first time these two guys fought. I didn't think they had any business fighting each other. I was very surprised that Volkanovsky held his own the way he did. Arguably, you could have said he won the fight. So I was actually interested in seeing a rematch. I just wanted to see it when it made more sense. Uh, when divisions were cleaned out, I didn't feel like it needed to happen right away. I'm going to get that rematch now, and it's interesting, but it doesn't feel like the same fight. Because that fight was so close that the last thing I want to hear is another guy. They're going to fight again, and one guy's not 100%. Because he's not. I'm sorry. Volkanovski is not 100%. He hasn't been training for this type of fight. And he's got to fly pretty far to do it. It's... It's not a good representation of both fighters. And that part bothers me because it's not like we're going to get a third fight, right? If things don't go his way. That part, I guess that's my total reaction. Did that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of how I feel. The only part I guess I would slightly disagree is I didn't think it was controversial. I thought Makashev kind of pretty much got him. It was close, though. It was. And so to make sure I went to MMA Decisions... And we had 49, 46s submitted, 48, 47s submitted, all on behalf of Makashev. And then, okay, there was six scores of 48, 47 for Volkanovsky from reputable sites. So, yeah, perhaps I was wrong in that regard. I guess I was just giving you my personal feelings. Now, there was a lot more 48, 47s Makashev. Um but regardless, yeah, I, everything else I agree with. Of course, I'm excited to see a fight. Like, Makashev hasn't fought since this fight took place in February. He's wanted a fight sooner. And remember, with with uh, Habib, we he liked to observe Ramadan. And a lot of times towards the end, we weren't seeing as much activity in the lightweight division and it wasn't just Habib, it was Connor. Connor obviously had made a lot of money and he was entertaining a boxing match. And, you know, for a, a division that's stacked with so much talent, really, we hadn't seen that many title fights. And then we've seen some fall apart. Khabib and Tony, you know, that was on fight week. And, you know, that was a, a whole mess. So, anyway, getting back to what I was saying, here we have a champ that's pretty much ready to go whenever. And, uh, Ramadan's been done for about six months now, I believe. Except the UFC said, No, 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 we kind of need you for Abu Dhabi, so they couldn't use him anytime sooner. Anyway, so Abu Dhabi gets a great fight, so does the UFC, all of it on paper. But the reality is, Wolkanowski is just not at his best, and he came up short at his best in his home country. Remember, this guy's given up 10 pounds, and he's coming up against the a freak you know i mean i don't know if i want to say habib 2.0 but just a habib-esque type fighter um 
and on short notice, that's, uh, you know, like, I think I would have been more on board with Gamro fighting him. Because, see, I don't get a cut of the pay-per-views. I won't be front row or I won't be in the stadium. I'll just be a joker at home watching the fights. Um, hopefully part of this watch-along coming up. And honestly, like, you know, I'm good with whatever. But Gamron is someone who at least has put in his time as a lightweight. He's punched that clock. Um, and so is he the most deserving? Probably not. Justin Gagey. But you guess Justin Gagey says, no, I'm sorry. I'm not a substitute teacher. Uh, you tell me when to show up with proper notice and I'll fight the undisputed champion when it's marked as me versus him. Gamron said, no, I'll be the sub. And, you know, he's been training. He was ready. And he has been punching the clock at lightweight. Volkanovski hasn't. That doesn't mean Volkanovski isn't a killer. And I don't think the world of him. I know, man. I really, really do. But And he's probably going to get a great paycheck for this. And guess what? If he connects and does it, then, you know, really, he's it's, it's a nice roll of, of the dice for him. So kind of good for him. But I will say this. If he loses this one, man. I don't think he's going to get another whiff of trying to become a champ champ, at least not while Mak Makashev's there. Again, unless this one's just this classic that we can't get away from. But we got Gagey. Now Gamron would have served as a sub. I know he'll get some brownie points for that. Maybe maybe we'll touch on that later. Who knows? I mean, it's really a lot to unpack, dude. Here, here's, here's the thing, too, that you got to think about. Even if Volkanovsky is at 100%, He's still the underdog in this fight. He's 10 pounds lighter, okay? Yeah, he's the champion in that division, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he just... It's not like taking the number one contender in the 155. Like, even if you get them both at 100%, if you're Islam Makachev, you have to win that fight, you know? You're, you're the senior. He's the junior, right? He picked on you at the playground. You have to win that. You cannot show up to school the next day as a senior saying you just got your ass kicked by a junior that's not going to work so on top of that you're getting this junior and he's not he's not even like in shape or nothing like uh, i mean granted he's probably in shape but not not fight shape man like i don't know i don't want to sound like a negative nancy or or just somebody that always has a problem with the ufc but i just feel like if you would have slid in gamrot i, I would have stomached it i think it would have made sense uh, because I, I feel like you have you have something that could have been bigger, maybe further down the line, and now we might lose out on that. Now could be Volkanovski comes in, lands a solid punch, ends the night. What do you do now, right? Like that's pretty crazy. That could still happen. You know, he's still a great fighter. But uh, if you gave me my choice, I think I would have gone the other way. I'm telling you, man, the UFC is like a beauty pageant, and. I'm going to give you another example now because I know I use the beauty pageant one a lot, but I'm going to give you another example. If I told you Miss Universe is at the Mandalay Bay goes, all of the most beautiful women from each country are going to be there. All right, cool. And when we're there, you know, we're sitting there watching it. Um, all of a sudden they make an announcement and say, all the number ones uh, that, that actually won, you know, their respective countries got in some sort of trouble. So, it's going to be the number twos, you know, the, the, what do they call them? The first wow. runner ups from every country. I mean, are you going to tell me those aren't babes too? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And that's what the UFC is. The UFC can just kind of plug and play. 
here you go. Here's a show, and everyone has a hoot, a hoot nanny. Everyone has a blast. It's never a bad time. They have that guarantee. The UFC is that awesome that they can do that. But there still is something for the fans that they've created called hardcores or junkies like us that are sitting there going, it just isn't right. Like, why did you tell Gamrot to be the, the sub? He, I mean, he was like your really, really emergency sub or something like that. Then if you weren't willing to put him in, you think that little of him, of, of his accolades, that you don't want him fighting for the title? Like, I don't know. Like, you don't think MLB and, what is it, Fox or TBS would want it, would have wanted the Dodgers to continue in the playoffs or for the Yankees to have made the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, of course they would have would have been would have been a ratings bonanza, but that's not how those sports work. If the team's eliminated, that's it. They go with what else, and hopefully they create new stars and give new franchises that deserve to be there that shine. That's the part that just doesn't sit well. Now that said, as soon as the show's over and I finish the other half of that donut and my cup of, cup of coffee, bro, I move on. Trust me, I will be sitting there like a schoolgirl. Uh, you know. Waiting for the first day of class, which will be UFC 1094, and I'll have a blast. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'll have a blast. But still, I just think that they make bizarre decisions, um, and they, they get away with it. So that's good for them. Maybe I'm just jealous, I guess, that they can do that. Maybe. I can't make, I can't make bad decisions and get away with it. I pay for my decisions. But then, nah, man. It's well, yeah, like, and you know, that's why I wanted to separate it into to three different entities because behind closed doors, they're probably shaking each other's hands, high-fiving because they're thinking we're still going to make a lot of money, you know, and at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to do is make money, and they're going to do that. They might even make more money. You know, more people might tune in because of this. But as a fan, as a hardcore, man, I feel like I just missed out on something. You know, hopefully... uh Hopefully we don't have one of the, I'll give you a good example, Chad Mendez and Conor McGregor. I think we all watched that yeah, fight. It's a good example. Said, I think we all said, I think a full camp Ch uh, Chad Mendez wins this fight. Not only wins it, probably dominates it. But I feel but, like we But, but we're not sure. We're not sure. We're just saying, right. yeah, based on what we've seen, there's a good chance that might have happened, yeah. But, but like if Volk, let's say Volk wins rounds. I don't know, one and two, and then in round three just starts to fade. He's tired, something that we never see. We're all going to be pulling our hair out going, fuck, man. Like, this actually could have gone a different way, except the one thing that comes into question is the fact that the guy wasn't training for the fight. And that, that sucks because you don't feel like you have a, a true representation of who both fighters are. Yeah. I mean, he's a G for stepping up. I'll give him praise. But... Here, okay, if somebody were to go, what, what, what would you have done, fat boy, to me? This is what I tell him. All right, first of all, if it was my business worth $13 billion, I would tell Abu Dhabi, I will find a way to try and make this up, just like I always do. Um, but, well, no, no, this is what I would do. Okay, for, I would do Makashev versus Oliveira, at least by what I can tell what that eyebrow is goes i would say fight in vegas because new york is actually in about three weeks that might be enough time it might not be i don't know i'd say now you guys are fighting in new york uh and if that's not enough time then now you guys are fighting in las vegas 
but I want the two best lightweights competing for this fucking belt, this UFC belt, this business. Yeah. I'm Dana White. This business that I built, where I want the best, I want the best two lightweights doing it. Boom. Now, let's say Abu Dhabi comes up and goes, uh -uh, uh -uh. you see this contract you signed? You have to give us these fighters. Well, stuff I'm making up here. Behind the scenes, it's got to be Makashev. Or what? You're tied to it. Makashev. He must fight. He must defend. Oh, sorry. I didn't see the fine printing, Abu Dhabi. All right. May I present to you uh, Mateus Gamron. We tried to get Justin Gaethje, probably the third best lightweight in the world, but he only takes fights on proper notice. And hopefully Abu Dhabi, who's all about the contracts at this point on the story I just made up, goes, ah, we respect Justin Gaethje. We're all about the doing the right thing as well, just like, as well as holding you to this contract. Salute to Mr. Gaethje. And welcome Mr. Gamrot, who at this point is either the number four or who knows what he is, right? But you selected somebody and he sounds pretty solid to us. Boom. Let's run with that. Um. Now, I'm sure Dana White would have said, now there is this one possibility. We have an awesome featherweight. I mean, maybe one of the best ever, if not the best ever. We could get him off the couch. You know, we're about two weeks out, less than two weeks out, 10 days out. What would you think of that? You know, they might, I, I, you know, again, they're the ones that held you to the contract. They're the ones that wish Mr. Gagey the best, right? Because they're by the book. I think they'd say, well, he's not really a lightweight. We kind of tried this once. It was a good fight, but doesn't he have business with Toporia? Aren't they the best too? Aren't you trying to get that settled for, we heard Canada, I think Toronto. Like, no, keep that intact. Give us Gamron. The other guy couldn't make it to the party. You know what I mean? Like, like Maradona in the 94 World Cup. He tested positive. So Argentina continued without him. They just did the best they could. Same thing. We do the best we can, and we present you with Gamrot, and we move on. Because now you just fucked Canada out of possibly Toporia versus Volkanovsky, right? You just kind of screwed Gamrot. Well, what was I training all this for? And now when the dust settles, Oliveira's first, then Gagey, then Gamrot. Like, at this point, Gamrot's probably thinking, you probably could have given me another fight. Or who knows, right? Mm -hmm. What sucks, though, is the UFC has so much money, they can go, here you go, Gamrot, shut up. Here's, here's some money. You shut up. Um, and, uh, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm kind of envious about that business, to tell you the truth. Anytime I've been involved with business, man, I'm always looking at nickels and dimes or whatever. The oh, UFC yeah. can kind of flex. They really can. I, I really do applaud them for building that. That kind of is awesome. But I also think they have so much money now. That they could do the right business, they could entertain us, and and still, I mean, dude, would it really be that bad to have Gamrot versus uh, Makashev? I don't think so. You know, I Me think neither. the UFC, I think the UFC is like that because, um, and a lot of people weren't around for this, but they were part of a sport that nobody wanted anything to do with, and they were losing money, and so they had the biggest fuck you back to the world. That I think now they're a little carried away with it, you know, making up for all them years of, of people telling them this is a bullshit, this isn't a sport, this is crap, it's never gonna do anything. Who knows, man? Maybe if I were in that situation when I got back up to the top and had a chance to throw it in everybody's face, I imagine I would do some of that, but I think I would have my limits. But I don't know. I, I think maybe that's where uh some of that comes from. Yeah. All right, the co-main event. 
it's no longer Hamza Shemaya versus Paulo Costa. Now, now we have um, Hamza Shemaya against Kamaru Usman. <sighs> How do you take this news? I guess because the same, or was this one kind of like their outside the box thinking was down your alley? Um. What I didn't like about this whole transaction was seeing the videos from Paulo Costa early, you know, and then see, I actually, I think Paulo Costa is funny. Okay. We've had him in the studio. He was a super nice guy. And I like when people from another country are entertaining, you know, and he's, he's trying to do that. He's trying to be funny. What the only thing I didn't like was there was a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty because of what was going on. But he was giving you the complete opposite. He was saying, hey, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And you're like, well, why would you put that out if you're not going to? If you are, like, what? Well, it was just so confusing. When it finally went down, it was just. We have that unfortunate feeling of with Paulo Costa. You just it's hard to get fired up for one of his fights because you never know if he's going to make it. And that part bothers me a little bit because as a fan, when I see his name pop up, I don't get as excited. It's like, yeah. I'll, I'll be happy when I see it. And so I'm in that situation again, and I'm thinking, well, all right, staff can be pretty bad. I know that, but he got it cleaned out. I mean, can we just move him to another card? I, I, that was my first thought. Now, don't get me wrong, Kamara Usman, that's a good fight too. And that's great. And hopefully he has been training and ready for something like this. But uh, I kind of just like the matchup and I, I wish they would have maybe pushed it a little bit but who knows maybe that comes down to those deals again and what the UFC's got to deal with behind the scenes who knows they um yeah he was I well I don't know if I want to say misleading because who knows what he was being told he's in Abu Dhabi so he flew with the intentions of this thing will clear up just in time but staff is pretty serious for sure. And it's contagious. And mm, with, I mean, I, as disappointing as it would have been, and maybe he's feeling that he goes, like you said, he's kind of just got this reputation behind him. Maybe he's feeling like two months ago, he pulls out, everybody would have been like, oh, you pushed out and you're unreliable and you're this, you're that. The Paul Costa I saw against Luke Rockhold was impressive, and I'll tell you why. Because that dude's, like I say, he's a muscular fella. They fought in Utah, 5,000 feet up in the air. Um, and that altitude was killer. But he hung in there, man. As much as Luke Rockhold dug deep, so did Paulo Costa. Oh, yeah. Any other middleweight might have succumbed to Luke Rockhold just still being there. Like, what does it, what does it take to put you away and maybe broken? But Paulo Costa... Kept giving it to him, and I thought, okay, this guy's turning a corner. This guy's going to be what we thought he would be, and we're eventually going to shake off that horrific attempt to win the title against Israel Adesanya. Mm -hmm. As far as Kamar Usman goes, they, this is what we heard, that Vittori was offered and he declined. How can you blame him? I mean, with 10 days out, he's kind of had a few losses. That's just that... Respect to Hamza, man. You got to prepare for Hamza. And everybody kept thinking, well, could Adesanya do it? He loves the fight. But again, I think Adesanya's 
he's either in a title fight or it's a fight that's on kind of on his terms. I don't know that he's out there doing favors like this. Um, and again, that's a difficult matchup too. He's probably a smart fella in the sense that I'm not saying he's scared of anyone, but you have to prepare for certain matchups. You just got to get those reps in. And the travel. And the travel, yeah. So when they started thinking outside the box, they went to Kamaru Usman. But guess what? I'm about to mind fuck you guys all again. All right, so this fight goes down. And supposedly if he wins or Hamza wins, they're in a good position for a title shot. I could see that with Costa kind of out of the way. Kind of screws Izzy a little bit, although maybe what they meant was the winner of an Izzy Strickland runback if they decide to do that. But old Jared Cannonier is not going to be too happy about this. You know, and this is a guy who properly went to be a sub and wasn't called upon, who looked good in beating Marvin Vittori over four, uh, five rounds. You know, like, this is a serious candidate here. And so I don't I don't know what they told Usman. Hey, bro, yeah, we'll tell Cannonier something else. I mean, Cannonier's got to fight. I get it. But if Cannonier wins, you know, like, <clears throat> I just imagine that he's going to be thinking, dude, what do I got to do here? Yeah. Uh, he's got Dolice in December. Dolice put but, his hand up, too. Yeah. And here's the other thing. So we that that's probably a good move on Uzman's part because he's out of the Leon Edwards sweepstakes. But you're gonna tell me that if Kobe didn't win, Uzman wouldn't play that card and say, I beat that guy twice. Mm-hmm. My boogeyman's out of the way, but this guy's champ now. How do I get in here? Which is why we thought that the Uzman Bilal Muhammad fight made some sense. If he can get rid of Bilal Muhammad. Then he could play the Colby card if Colby beat Leon. If Leon beat Colby, then Usman probably couldn't play that card and they would move on to someone else. And we're not giving Bilal Muhammad enough respect. I mean, it could be that he just beats Usman and he solves the problem. He gets the winner of Colby versus Edwards. And then, of course, I haven't even said, unless it's a classic and they got to run it back. I only say that because I've seen Dana White go to press conferences and go, what do you do? He goes, what do you think we do, you big dummy? You didn't just see that great fight they got? We got to run it back. So that's why I always say that, to cover my ass. But yeah. I think Usman kind of played his cards right. He kind of probably jilted <laughs> Bilal Muhammad here. And now he's in a position to maybe get a title shot. But, man, you just – I don't see how you could really chase your money, get your money, I guess, because you the UFC's word – doesn't mean much in that regard. Yeah. If he beats Hamzad, he's next. I, I don't know if he's next. I don't know if he could just be next. I mean, if he was this world beater, and then him, and him and Hamzad get into it in Abu Dhabi, it makes news, and then he beats Hamzad, and then to top it off, uh, Strickland and Newsman are having a war of words on Twitter. You know, something that just makes Dana White say all of a sudden those eyeballs turn into dollar signs. That That's when the tide turns usually. I think they're just living in the moment, you know, right now. Right now. What what can we do right now? But I don't know that this is all going to play out very, very well. We'll have to see. We're wrong. 
you know, we're not right all the time. Maybe it turns out to be a great event. Maybe things do end up going in there. We're like, how many times do we sit there and go, this this card is shit and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out to be a good fight. Now, I've always it said that, that doesn't mean that it was the right move, you know, but uh, that shit just tends to happen, man. So we'll and see. that's I'll- why I always give my example. How could Miss Universe suck even if they made an announcement and said all of the winners of the respective countries couldn't show? So we sent the number one. Uh, what do we call them again? The uh, the number one runners up. We'd be like, oh, poor us. I mean, we're still going to see beautiful women in bikinis and their evening gowns, you know, whatever. Like, you know, you could send the fifth best from every country, man. None of us would be like disappointed at all. It's mm-hmm. still going to be a beautiful pageant. I mean, and that's what the UFC knows about their product. It's it's just not going to suck. We make it too great between. Dana White's presence, the other fighters around the cage, the celebs, the athletes that come in, the buzz. You know, it's it's just the UFC, man. It's just the cool thing. It really is the cool thing. Yeah. And that's what sucks for Bellator and PFL. And I applaud them for always trying so hard. But, God, they got a lot of room to make up in that regard. So here's your latest fight card for 294 uh, in Abu Dhabi. On Saturday, October 21st. Here we go. If you guys are ready for it, then I'm ready to give it to you. Are you guys ready? Ready. Then I'm going to give it to you. UFC 294 starts off with Makashev versus Volkanovski 2. Uzman versus Hamza Shemaev. Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. That's solid. I like that. Ikram Aliskarov versus Nasruddin Imavov. Muin Gafarov versus Saeed Nurmagomedov. Tim Elliott versus Muhammad Mokayev. Solid. Trevor Peak versus Muhammad Yaya. Javid Basharat versus Victor Henry. Abu Azatar versus Cedric Dumas. Mike Breeden versus Anshul Jubli. Muhammad Namoff versus Nathaniel Wood. Victoria Dudakova versus Jin Yu Fry. Shara Magomedov versus Bruno Silva. Um, very top heavy, but still bad, still good. This should be good, yeah. honestly. Overall, I love man. one, one through three for sure. I like the Mokayev uh, Elliott fight. I think it's going to be really fun. I think that should be on the main card. They're both mm-hmm. recognizable, and might as well put some shine on Mokayev, who's undefeated, and is probably only a few fights away from being a title challenger. No. I don't know. That's kind of what I would do. All right. If that ain't enough, I wish I could just tell you. So McGregor's paperwork was received, stamped. He's good to go in six months. Yay, McGregor. So that did happen. USADA acknowledged he's in. They could have started testing him as of this morning. However, then USADA put out a statement that said, uh, so he's in. Paperwork's been submitted. However, as of the end of the year, we will stop tracking McGregor and the rest of the UFC because we haven't been able to come to an agreement. And so we're basically done. Uh, That bummed me out just upon hearing it. Now, look, I don't have to wake up and inform people of my whereabouts, and I'm not the one that has to wake up with 
very limited forms of recovery. Uh, You know, I, I realize it is a pretty brutal sport, but it had given us some peace of mind to know that we were doing our very best. We'll never stop cheating altogether, but it seemed like the UFC was doing their very best to mitigate any types of cheating that comes from performance-enhancing drugs. And as a fan, as a media member, I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed this last eight years with USADA, knowing that we had really, really cleaned up a sport and given a fuck in that regard. Uh, and now I don't want to just piss on that decision because, at least according to Fitzy, Brendan Fitzgerald, uh, the UFC does have other plans. It doesn't look like they're going to just get away from, you know, testing their athletes. However, I just don't know of another organization that has the reputation that you saw it as. Are they perfect? Of course not. But they do seem to be the standard, the high standard, the gold standard in our sport, in, in sports. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, any any company has the right to work with whoever they want. But I think you owe everybody an explanation as to why. And the explanation is kind of shitty, you know, because everybody talks about Conor McGregor and the Dana White privilege and all that. And boy, this just makes it so much worse. The fact that, did you see Anthony Pettis? He did a, an interview, I think with Mike Bond. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, so this is his quote. He says, a lot of fighters are going to be pissed because it was about Conor McGregor. I agree with that to a certain extent. I do think there are a handful of fighters that just get sick of being woken up at 5 a.m. or whatever, you know, the app, all that stuff. Maybe there are other ways of of handling testing that another company can maybe figure out. But I just feel like every fighter I've ever ran into that has been on the other end of a negative test in a fight where they fought somebody like that, you see this look of just being absolutely cheated in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like this disgust, like, man, I can't believe they put me in there with this guy and this guy was cheating. That's got to be worth something. And, and it's not a money issue. The UFC has all kinds of money. They can afford it. I just think you stay with, with the best and USADA is considered the best. Yeah, and that's why they've been with them for eight years. So I think this is important enough that I'm going to read the, the whole quote goes. Because, like I say, this, this is a big deal. So this is from USADA. We have been clear and firm with the UFC that there should be no exception given by the UFC for McGregor to fight until he has returned two negative tests and has been in the pool for at least six months. Tigert said in a written statement. This gentleman's name is Travis Tigert, and he's the CEO of USADA. He's been there from the beginning. The rules also allow USADA to keep someone in the testing pool longer before competing based on their declarations upon entry in the pool and testing results. Unfortunately, we do not currently know whether the UFC will ultimately honor the six-month or longer requirement because of Because as of January 1st, 2024, USADA will no longer be involved with the UFC anti-doping program. Despite a positive and productive meeting about a contract renewal in May 2023, the UFC did an about-face 
and informed USADA on Monday, October 9th, that it was going in a different direction. McGregor, sorry, let's see here. The quote continues, we are disappointed for UFC athletes who are independent contractors who rely on our independent gold standard global program to protect their rights to a clean, safe, and fair octagon. The UFC's move imperils the immense progress made within the sport under USADA's leadership. The relationship between USADA and the UFC became untenable given the statements made by UFC leaders and others questioning USADA's principled stance that McGregor not be allowed to fight without being in the testing pool for at least six months. One UFC commentator echoed this, recently declaring that USADA should not oversee the UFC program since we held firm to the six-month rule involving McGregor. And since we do not allow fighters without an approved medical basis to use performance-enhancing drugs like experimental, unapproved peptides, or testosterone for healing or injuries simply to get back into the octagon. Um, I guess there's a little bit more. Sorry, one more. Fighters' long-term health and safety, in addition to a fair and level playing field, are more important to USADA than short-term profits at the expense of clean athletes. USADA is proud of the work we've done so far over the past eight years to clean up the UFC, and we will continue to provide unparalleled service to UFC athletes through the remainder of our current contract, which ends December 31st, 2023. As always, we will continue to uphold the rights and voices of clean athletes in the sport. That first sentence of the last paragraph you read was the most scathing one of them all. That's the one that's not a good look. Yeah. I agree, man. This, uh, I mean, look, again, what's the testing that they're going to do? So Fitzgerald, Brendan Fitzgerald, which is one of the commentators for the UFC, he was actually kind of active in this. He said third-party independent testing, just not paying for the USADA name tag. That was one of his tweets. Um, I'm going to pull up his Twitter here because he had a few more things to say, and I might as well get it right. He said, uh, needed to start now to fight in April. Hmm, okay, okay, I guess he was answering somebody. Damon Martin said, but who's handling this independent third-party testing and how will that be different from USADA? Correct, still third-party independent testing, just not paying for them. So, I mean, I, it sounds like the UFC has something goes. Mm -hmm. They obviously haven't announced it, um, but... Uh, uh, maybe maybe Fitzgerald answered it because he was the one. Maybe he was the one that said something. Maybe but that's why he was. What message are you sending, though? Because whoever the new party is, essentially, the UFC has sent the message that, okay, handle our drug testing, but if you don't play the way we want you to play, you're not going to be our guy, right? Isn't that essentially what they're telling the world? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, his Twitter is pretty active right now in terms of other people were asking him questions or coming at him. He said, you saw the love having UFC as a brand name client because none of the other major leagues use them. So we're doing what NFL, NHL, MLB, and others already have. Um, look, I'm not a Padres fan, but I like that Tatis guy from the Padres. Mm -hmm. But boy, I, I couldn't believe it when he got Ding last year. Remember, he had that injury first where he fell off a motorcycle and hurt his wrist, and he lied yeah. about it. 
Then he comes back and he got popped for something. It cost them. They have 162 games. He must have missed like another hundred of them as well. If I'm a Padres fan, I'm pissed, dude. Those are guaranteed contracts. And this guy's an all-star who we need. But if, and we're paying a lot of money, but if this whole time he hasn't been a clean athlete, like, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't be too happy about that. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I mean, just because the NFL and the rest left them, those guys, I mean, what's their program, I guess? I don't know. I haven't heard anything that if they're, if they're with reputable places or not. I mean, they did catch Tatis, so maybe maybe there's a third party that can pull this off or whatever. But it, it did seem like the UFC always likes aligning themselves with the gold standard, to use Travis Tigert's words, and everything seemed to be running okay i mean were there a lot of complaints coming from fighters i don't like the 6 a.m wake up who knows i mean i don't know yeah do you get this joke from fitzgerald usada claiming a breakup with the ufc because of their principles reminds me of stacy from wayne's world who was stacy from wayne's world she was the girl that was like stalking him always crying and like come on wayne i'm here yeah i forget Before what her you with tia carrera yeah, it was like early in the movie. Mm. She, she's considered like a crazy stalker. Mm-hmm. Laura Flynn Boyle, right? Wasn't that the name of the lady that played him? Played her? Yeah, I don't know. I remember the movie, but I kind of just don't remember that part. All right, this is crazy, man. Um, I think it'll be more fair to revisit this topic, find out who the third party is. Maybe look up and see what their reputation is out there in the sporting world. I I don't know. Um, yeah. We used to hear about Vada testing, but I be I believe it used to be confusing. But Vada was based in Nevada, if I'm not mistaken. We used to joke Vada based in Nevada. They used to use water just like USADA, um, but they used the World Anti Doping Agency. So the USADA is the the company or the organization they use the water rules so if the water rules are going to be applied by vada then maybe all's well who knows but vada wasn't really i don't believe they had the infrastructure for a worldwide sport like that like year round random you know we can catch you anywhere the the caucus mountains of dagestan or the jungles in thailand or i don't know let's get to our interview Derek Brunson, and then we'll finish up with a few nuggets here uh brunson like we mentioned has a fight coming up against ray cooper the third and uh it's gonna happen at the pfl finals it's the friday after thanksgiving black friday huge card for them where they have all their world title fights and then they have some of their stars uh competing as well we'll be right back with former ufc middleweight and now pfl light heavyweight Derek brunson What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes always deliver the big names here on the show. Today we get to talk to Derek Brunson, who just signed with the PFL, already has a fight coming up against Ray Cooper III. Welcome back, Derek. How you doing, man? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good. So you move quickly. Like all this move fast, quick. man. I move fast, man. I got I got four kids, man. I'm no I'm no spring chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those rumors of a UFC fight at the end of the year. Um, Dolice, Cannonier, I can't remember what. Next thing you know, 
you're with the PFL. Next thing you know, you're already booked to fight uh, at their finals. That that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, we got some new exciting things going on with PFL. Uh, had a great time in the UFC, a great run there. But now is I'm getting a little job promotion. Now, let me ask you something. You are very active on Fight Night. You are a very popular fighter to follow on on Twitter and all that. Um, it, are you going to miss the UFC? Like, did that kind of hurt for that to end? I, I know you're going to say nice things about the PFL. We love the PFL. They're on ESPN. They got great cards. We cover them. But I just, I guess I want to close that book and just see how you feel about all that. Uh, am I going to miss the UFC? No, I'm not going to miss the UFC. I'm still going to watch. You know, I love MMA, so I'm going to watch all MMA. Uh, but, yeah, uh, UFC is just organization, you know. Happens to be the organization everybody want to fight for, most of the top fighters. But, yeah, um, we had a great time there, but definitely love being in PFL. And I was very excited about the move there. What What was it about the PFL? Maybe you can name three things that said, come this way, and you liked hearing you know, I, I guess there's a schedule that's that keeps you busy. There's that huge prize at the end of the day. Maybe it was the respect, the way they approached you. Uh, you know, have you had time to think about like what what was it that drew you there? Um, yeah, the million dollars. You know, it's, they got the million dollar tournament. Uh, guys stay busy. Um, there's no lobbying for what you want. You know, you go out and get it. You know, so like uh, UFC, man. I think in some of these title eliminators. I was on these huge five fight winning streaks twice and I never got a title shot. You know, I was kind of like right after the fight that I felt like, okay, I win this when I get a title shot and I didn't get it. I kind of felt dejected and lacking motivation and just kind of wasn't getting up for the fights, but now I got a new motivation. That's fair. Okay. Uh, a lot of fighters have told us the same things. You kind of control your own destiny. Uh, your words, you said it, you're no longer spring chicken. Can you can you hold up that pace? I mean, you almost are in one long camp starting somewhere in February all the way to the end. Yeah, for sure. It's funny, like, uh, the last five years, I did no road work, no running, really. So I've been running actively for about six weeks now, and I'm going to continue that going on because I was looking at some of my fights, and I'm like, I'm killing these guys. Even with Cannoneer, I mean, first round could have been a 10-8. Uh, with Drickus, I mean, damn, 10-9. Um, I was putting it on them, almost finishing towards the end of the, the first round. But I'm destroying these guys in the first round, and then I fade in the second round. And then I'm like, damn. I start running, and I start feeling better. I'm like, damn, how come I haven't been doing this, or how can – it hasn't been a point of emphasis all these years. You know, I know I wrestled in college and the doctor's like, hey, it's probably, you know, take a little break on the running. You can do strength and condition and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, with my new training methods, I believe, you know, that I'll be up for it and, and look good in these fights, especially in the late rounds also. Derek, how important is it to find that right recipe? Because right now, what you were just talking about, I imagine amongst fighters, there are so many fighters that say, this is what worked for me. And you try it out and you realize, well, that's what worked out for him, but not for me. Um, and the reason I asked this question is because the PFL, we interview a lot of fighters and we'll have this first interview with them like we're doing with you. And then a year later, they'll go, I underestimated it. I didn't listen to everyone or this and that. It was a lot different. Um, how important is it trying to figure out what that right recipe is now before you go into the season? Do you take in a lot of input or is it all Derek Brunson? 
I'm, I'm just going to whoop a lot of ass. You know, I'm going to stick to what I've been doing always. And I'm just going to add into it. Like I said, I haven't been doing road work. And that's like the most essential thing when it comes to fighting. I just, I'm like flabbergasted that I haven't made that recollection up until this point. Like you got to run, you got to do road work. It helps you get with that pace in the late round. So I'll make sure I keep that up. And I think I'd be plenty fine. Like I'm not getting in trouble in these fights with skill. Like I'm out scaling everyone. It's just, again, and it's not like I'm not working hard. It's not like I'm sitting on the couch eating donuts or eating insomnia cookies or something like that. I'm out here training, you know, six, seven days a week, working really hard. But I was forgetting one asset. So just like I said, adding that to my game. Is it a difficult road when you think about the PFL to like, do you feel like you're going to be able to fight the way you fight? Or do you have to kind of like almost tone it down a little bit because of, you know, having to stay healthy and all that? Like, what do you think happens when when fight night actually comes around for you? Yeah, I'm going to just go out and fight my fight. You know, I can't say to myself that it's been any one guy that really was better than me that I fought. I feel like there were some things that I could have done better or in the fight or leading up to the fight that would have been better for me. So, yeah, I'm just going here and fight my fight be skilled and be in great shape. And I feel that we'll, we'll go pretty far with that. Ray Cooper is that type of guy that just comes forward and he doesn't stop. Is that the type of fight that you invite? Like, do you like those type of guys or would you rather just kind of maybe ease into this fight a little bit? Cause this dude, like, you know, this is no joke. Ray Cooper's a tough guy. Yeah, no, he's definitely a tough guy. Um, I like, I like how we match up. You know, he likes to bring the action and, I see some of the things that he do plays into what I do really well. So, um, yeah, it's only one way to find out. But like I said, I, I, I like where I'm at. I like this fight a lot. Derek, you brought up four kids. And I think this is something that gets lost a lot when we interview fighters, when people think about decisions fighters make. I think as fans, a lot of people look at it as the belt, the belt, the belt. Um, you know, having that mantle, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, and maybe even in your position, a million dollars, that sounds like it goes a long way too, right? Where do you stand on belts and money? And then some people say the belt leads to money. Where do you stand on all that? Hey, give me the million dollars every day of the week. You know, I can go out here, fight a couple of times, get my million and just chill for a little bit, recover. So, yeah, I definitely like that format. And it goes back to I don't have to lobby for anything. All I have to do is just win fights. You know, I can win a knock somebody out. I can submit somebody. I can win an ugly fight. But at the end of the day, I move on and advance, and then I can improve in the next fight. I don't have to, oh, it wasn't a great fight, so maybe I have to fight another one. Like, um, yeah, I don't have to do all that. I just go out there and win. I don't want to be a negative Nancy here, but this is the truth, and I'm sure you know it. A lot of UFC vets have gone to the PFL and just not done well. Uh, whether it was that first season or just overall, have you examined it? And I know you're you and you're different, but there's got to be something to the fact that like there's literally like five or six of them now. Um, again, could it be the, the, the turnaround or what? Are, are you worried about it? Have you thought about it? I haven't thought about it. I'm not worried about it. Um, I would say you get everybody's best punch. Um, let's Let's take Colorado football with uh, Coach Prime, Deion Saunders. You know, every team that plays them want to beat them just because they're in the spotlight. Uh, 
because of Deion Sanders, you know, because of everybody. There's Amer- they're America's team right now, you know, so every they're going to get everybody best punch. So I would say that would probably play into some of the things, you know. You got a guy like myself coming from the UFC. I've been in the UFC for, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, however long. I've had 20-plus fights there. So, like, any time a guy get opportunity to fight me, they're like, hey, this is my – chance to show what I'm about and get some respect here. So yeah, I'm gonna the people that's coming from the UFC, we're gonna get everybody else best fight. But uh, I'm definitely up for that. Ray Cooper, the fights at middleweight I saw. Uh can you tell us is there a middleweight division next year? Are you in the middleweight tournament next year? I don't know anything about a middleweight tournament. I know this fight's at middleweight and then the plan is uh two oh five uh after this fight. Ah, okay. So that'll be less stress on your body in terms of at least that facet of mixed martial arts. The the what what do they call it? The first the the real fight. The fun yeah. is is on fight night. The real fight's making weight. Yes, yes, indeed. Is that what you wanted? Uh, was that music to your ears, or would you have preferred a one eighty five class weight class? Oh no, that, I mean that's what I wanted. That's what I like. You know, um, I figured, man, some of these fights, the, the weight cuts were like awful you know and then i get into the fight and i'm not fully hydrated then i'm faded big like you know that that's a big factor in sports also you know mma is tough man it's one of the toughest has to be the toughest sport it's a fight you know you can go out here in these other sports you can go about 10 percent. you can you cannot give your all you can take plays off you take a playoff in the in an mma fight that's the end of the fight you know and you, you're really risking yourself so like being able to hydrate and nutrition and stuff like that I'm going to hire a nutritionist, what I've never done before. Like, uh, I'm going to handle all those type of things, which are big parts into being successful. We don't talk to many 40-year-old, or you're 39. Um, you'll be 40 <laughs> when the season starts. But we don't talk to many other than maybe at heavyweight. That's more common. What can you attribute to being a long-lasting fighter? I mean, we covered you since show uh, – sorry, not, it was called show fights, but it was part show, of the yeah. strike force and all oh, that. Yeah. Then the UFC, 20, fight, 20 fights that you had there, that's quite a career. And now PFL, a lot of other people exit with a lot of injuries. They just, you know, they can't handle it. What do you attribute, you know, your longevity? Yeah, I would say I had consistency over all the years, you know. I still do the same things that I've done uh, starting day one. I train twice a day. You know, I take care of my body. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't drink. hang out with my kids. Uh, man, I, I just live a great life, you know, in terms of like, I'm a T-ball coach for heaven's sakes. You know, I coach my son's T-ball, like with a whole bunch of four and five year olds. So that's fun to me. Like I don't get into all the partying and all that other stuff. You know, I'm more of a family guy and yeah, I just like to sit back and have fun. And I think whenever you're, uh, trying to have longevity, you definitely got to have a good support system and make sure that you have a good group of people around you who are like, uh, want to see you succeed and make sure they push you in the right direction. That's great to hear. Um, but in MMA, it's it can be a big party scene after the fights. Do you yeah. just stay away from after parties, or do you have the strength to go down and turn down a drink, and when everyone wants to blaze up, you go in the other direction? How, how do you deal with that? You know, funny enough, I never had a – I never smoked, and I never drank in my whole life. And I've been around alcohol and drugs like my whole life. Like it just, it just, it's not me. Like it don't interest me. I can go out and have a good time without that. Like I'm always on a natural high. So I don't need to like get out of my mind to like, or have a drink to go talk to a female I'm married now, but we're talking about in the past, but I don't need to have a drink to do that 
or uh, I don't need to smoke to have a good time. Like I'm always having a good time. I'm always chill. I'm always never too high, never too low. So like, that's a fun fact. Wow. No drink and no marijuana ever in your life. Never. You can, you can fact check me. Ask anybody who knows me. I believe you. I believe you. Um, without getting too personal, was it just something from the past that haunted you and you didn't want to be a part of it? Was this a decision you just decided to make on your own? No, I always wanted to be different. Um, I always was, I was always chill. Like I always was like good. Like I never, my whole life, I was never too, never too high, never too low. Like even after a fight, I go, like I knocked Machida out in Brazil in his, in his backyard. I was the underdog. And after the fight, I was like, oh, Man, good thing we we did this for the fight, you know. I thought it was gonna be a little bit tougher, you know. It was never like it's never no like super like on a hundred. Even though I'm happy, I'm super happy, you know. But I'm like I said, my whole life I've been on like never too high, never too low. Like I never get depressed or I'm never low because I don't allow myself to, you know. Whereas I get happy, but I never like extreme to the top to where I reach my peak that I can't get any happier. Man, this is a. Uh... Is this a, like, is this an intervention for us? It's starting to feel that. Yeah, way. you you guys don't know me, man. I used to do a lot. I used to be a therapist before I started fighting. A lot of people don't know that, also. So yeah, man, I got I got a lot of little fun facts, little interesting stuff. How come no gray hair? I'm barely older than you. And look at this blonde brushing, man. You don't get yeah. gray hairs when you're blonde brushing. <laughs> Even down here, you didn't do none of that Grecian or nothing like that. Not yet, man. I got a few. I just pluck them. Mm. <laughs> so you got a, like a psych degree or something like that. Uh, criminal justice and uh, minor in like sociology. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that basically answers my question about the longevity. I mean, your body just hasn't been through the the toll roads that other people have to go through, you know what I mean? And pay um, us outside of fighting, it sounds like. So that's that's actually pretty amazing. And I, I, I can't imagine how anybody wouldn't be motivated just when they hear this interview if they're at a crossroads or they're just young and haven't made stupid decisions or anything like that, that's pretty inspiring. Yeah, for sure. You know, if, if any young fighter is listening, I would say, you know, definitely, you know, take care of your body, man. You don't have to do all these crazy things. Just keep working hard, you know, consistency. You don't have to do all these, these crazy drugs to, to get yourself to a certain level. Just work hard. You know, if you gave your best and never achieved, then that's good enough. But if you go out here and try to cut areas and, all stressed out along the way, then what are you really doing? Now, we all have vices, and I saw that you're the parlay king. So is gaming <laughs> kind of like a little bit of where you, you know, dabble on the dark side? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, li I like to gamble. And, um, yeah, yeah, I like to gamble, I would say. Big time or little time? Like, you know, just $25 parlay, or are you, are you like, throwing some big numbers out there? No, I throw, I'm not I'm not Anthony Pratt is crazy. You, you ever see his parlay, his bets? Yeah. I hear yeah, about see, them, yeah. I don't I don't like those crazy bets like that, but I I'll throw a thousand dollar parlay. Um yeah, I, I get I get a little I get a little bit crazy. Um, but I'm actually I'm parlays are my thing, man. I, what gets me is the straight bets. I absolutely hate straight bets. Like I, I feel like I don't care what the book says, I just feel like that's the most sucker bet. It's almost like Vegas or the, the books just give you this little like, oh, take this minus two fifty just to get you to bet it and it just swipe you, you know. So yeah, I hate straight bets. Okay, so you you don't like betting the favorites because you have to give up so much to win so little. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and then also too, like let's say a parlay, I, I'd rather take if 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 that's the case. If it's like a minus one seventy five, like before, I used to bet like a minus three ten, and when I say I've probably lost 
like six or six or seven out of, even even three out of ten is bad because it takes all your profit from your your other games. Like if you lose two minus three hundreds, you got to win like I would say eight to nine minus two hundreds in a row or something like that. Like it gets bad, man. So yeah, man, I like to use my mind and string together some good bets and kind of like bring those odds down a little bit. I think that's the best way to gamble. Well, the good thing is we're talking about all the gambling that took place way before UFC enforced it, so no worries there. And now you're with PFL. I don't know what their rules are going to be, but it sounds like I haven't heard anything out of them. Um, hey, we're all adults, right? We make these decisions. Right, right. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, listen, we're pumped up. I mean, the turnaround's so quick. There's no wondering where you're going to be or nothing like that. Poor Kayla Harrison went through like six months of us <laughs> trying to figure out if she's going to land at Bellator. UFC back with PFL. She landed back with PFL. So much time went by, um, but yeah, uh, you guys made some great, some fast and great decisions over there. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the time. Always great to catch up with you. All right, see you guys. Thanks, family. You believe him, goes? He's never drank. I think I do. I, I believe him. I, I that almost felt like an intervention. Honestly, I can't believe that as many times as we've interviewed him. That we've never gotten to any of these topics. I was really happy with that interview. But one thing that stood out for me is look, isn't isn't this exactly what we were just talking about in the middleweight division? People having to lobby for fights where their their wins and losses don't matter. The reputation don't matter. They have to they have to beg for fights. Like he's avoiding all of that now. And could be fighting for a million dollars. That that peace of mind is worth something. It, it it really is. Like think about the frustration on Jared Cannonier. Is it is it worth it? Yeah, and they got USADA testing over at PFL, I believe, starting in 2024. I'm not sure if it started in time for this last uh, show coming up, but they made an announcement that they were going to link up with with them. And guess what? PFL had some huge problems with PEDs this year. And we were all like, what the heck is going on? A few of their uh, free agents that came over got popped. Some of their homegrown talent got popped. But, I mean, it was just a bloodbath. And then they mm-hmm. made that announcement, and we thought, well, that ain't going to be a problem in 2024. I mean, that's the type of reputation you saw that has. They do kind of go in there and clean things up. Yeah. So. Brunson's not going to be able to get away from that, but it doesn't look like Brunson's too concerned about it because he appears to lead a clean lifestyle. So good for him. That fight card's on November 24th, by the way. So you got all those title fights. You have Julia Budd versus Kayla Harrison. And uh, you'll have Brunson versus Ray Cooper the third. Biagio uh, Ali Walsh is back. Bubba Jenkins against Chris Wade for the third time. That should be fun. And that one is on ESPN Plus as a pay-per-view. So just a quick reminder on that. Um, finishing out, I guess, any other of the big news, we had our last Dana White Contender Series show goes. This was episode 10 of season 7. And it was six fights. Congrats to Ramon Tavares, Andre Lima, Connor Matthews, Torres Finney, Markel Maderos, Lucas Roca. Now, those were the winners, but only four got contracts. No, five got contracts, sorry. Lucas Roca, Markel Maderos, Connor Matthews, Andre Lima, Ramon Tavares. Torres Finney did not get a contract. 
despite finishing via submission. And that concludes this season of Dana White Contender Series. Now, now that we've had some champions produced from Dana White Contender Series, I think now we can kind of watch knowing, you know, that guy in a couple of years or in three or four more fights does have some promise, man. I'm pretty excited about so-and-so. I said that a lot this year. I, I was really impressed. Yeah, the level of competition is really good. Um, boy, I have like other organizations probably taking a hit, you know, that, that part sucks. Uh, but I watched Dana White's contender series a little differently this year. It wasn't as fun. Okay. It's still entertaining because at the end of the day, two guys are fighting or two gals, but it was a different feel for me because I just felt like all you had to do was win and you get a contract. Uh, everybody was getting contracts left and right. And I think part of the fun of the first couple seasons was trying to figure out who got it. You know, we would all look around at each other and go, who you got? Who do you think? We'd all exchange it. Now it's like, you just kind of know. Like, it's it's the every, everybody gets in. It's the weirdest thing. That kind of took away a little bit for me. Not a lot, but it did make it feel different for me. Some people will say, well, what are you trying to send some people home dejected? Or can't you just be happy that, I guess, they made it? Like, why, why is that such a... It's got a... Because getting into the UFC, you have to understand, is just, it's the highest standard. So you have to earn that. And if you're just going to come in and... Whatever you do, like, I get it. But then the level of your opponent, like... I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't seem like you're really fighting for anything. It's the weirdest thing. Just everybody gets a contract every week. Like, what's mm. the point? At that point, just call it something else. You know, in a way, one could say, because Dana White lauds the matchmaking. And that's fine. He should give, you know, pats on the back or whatever. But in a way, was it really this fight? that made you feel like that person was UFC caliber, they must have been on your radar. You could almost tell the matchmakers, well, what have you been, wait what have you been waiting for? This guy's awesome. He should already be in the UFC. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at that point I might be nitpicking too much. Who knows? I, I do like the show. What I wish is kind of half of what you're asking for and what we got. Of course, it, you could tell it means it means a lot to not only win. I think he was a bit more clear about. Um, so I'm no longer holding those Kevin Hall and Dan Ige and Brent, uh, Brendan Lockning feelings anymore. I think he's a lot more clear. Just come here and fight till the end. You don't have to get to the finish, but fight till the end. Be passionate about it. Make that plea. Boom, you're in. That's how you can get in. I guess I respect that there was a little more clarity to it. You're right. It does appear like a lot of people make it. So maybe what he could do is single out one person with a, a, a maybe a more exceptional contract than the rest, or maybe that person gets a contract and the rest get reshuffled to a Dana White contender series. You know, uh, the next Dana White contender series, I guess, you know, and let two people that were almost face off and then one of one of them can get in because well, you can make it to the ufc you take one loss and all of a sudden everyone's like uh since they crease they turn your back on you like like you did when dutch you know when dutch lost 
his fight against Daniel LaRusso, all of a sudden, all it takes is one loss, and you're like, eh, well, maybe he's not the next best thing. I really enjoyed Ultimate Fighter finales back in the day because you didn't always get the matchups you wanted in the house. So it was fun. You know, a lot of them would carry some heat. And I think what they should do is that when you win, almost not like a pay-per-view, but have one more Dana White contender series a couple months later or something where you take a lot of those guys that you selected to be your guys, put them on some kind of card, and at that point make it a win-and-you're-in type type situation, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So almost like they're qualifying for that big event at the end of the, you know, after the season's done or something like that. I think that would be fun. Well, anybody that's in Dana White or Ultimate Fighter would almost kind of agree with you because they feel like they have to do a lot more than just win a fight. They got to win a couple. And then they yeah. got to get to the finale, you know, and if if in the finale they lay an egg, if, you know, let's say they lost in the semifinals or whatever, sometimes you don't hear anything from them. But I don't know that this organization rolls in their own ways. Sometimes it's a beautiful thing and it works out for us as fans. Sometimes it's the most frustrating, frustrating thing in the world. Um, there is uh, a great article about Kayla Harrison and, her latest thoughts, Danny Segura was out in Coconut Creek, Florida. I loved hearing her her honesty. She just said, look, man, it, it could be, there's been too many highs and lows, she said, but it could just be that I came into this sport at the wrong time. Maybe she could have chased one last gold medal and been training at American Top Team earlier. She had a lot of frustration from probably missing out on the uh, Amanda Nunes sweepstakes a little. I get it. And then remember... I mean, dude, why is she not in the UFC? She's right down the alley of what the UFC wants. Sorry to say this, but White definitely has been a big thing for the UFC who can talk and is brash and wins and wears gold from being an Olympian. When is that not done well from the U- for the UFC? She must have asked for an astronomical number, or maybe it was the fact that they just knew that 45 was fizzling out. Who knows what? But if they tried building around Amanda, I just thought, man, they could have maybe kept it going and tried building around Kayla. That had to have been a really big number. Because when you think about it, she's used to winning a million dollars every year. Now, granted, it didn't work out for the last time. Even if you said, I'm willing to take half, that's still a lot of money you're asking the UFC to pony up for you. So, And arguably, they're bringing you in for one fight, sort of, right? Because if she loses that fight, especially if she gets crushed, which Amanda does to a lot of people, now you're almost useless, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I get where the UFC was on that one. And I get why she would price herself with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I, I love the humility, though, on her part. You know, like, um, that's when I relate to athletes, when I they remind me that they're humans just like us. And so she was pretty honest about it, but she faced it. So check it out, folks. It's there. Another article you should check out, and I'm just going to skim over it real quick because we got to go. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an MMA fighter retirement benefit fund into law. And so what happens here, I'll just kind of give you the cliff notes. Once you turn 50, if you fought at least 39 rounds in California, in mixed martial arts contests in California, you will qualify to receive funds, again, at the age of 50. So you could be a member of the UFC, and if you fought 
six rounds in California, meaning two fights that they scheduled you, but you came up through King of the Cage, or maybe Cage Warriors are doing these shows in San Diego. Um, you know, some of these other ones escaped me, but Total Com- Total Combat was another one. Um, Gladiators Challenge. Then guess what? You know, you might have something waiting for you again when you turn 50. What that might be, I don't know. Could it be 45 instead of 50? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Could it be 30 rounds instead of 39? Yeah, how they came to all this, I don't know. But I think there'll be some follow-ups. It's just an announcement that was made. I think it was pretty cool to hear. And I'm sure a lot of fighters have already figured out if they either qualify or they're close. It was unanimous in passing. And this is going to be similar to the California Professional Boxers Pension Fund Uh that they have obviously in the sport of boxing. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, the UFC announced that they're going to Saudi Arabia in March of 2024. This will be the inaugural uh, arrival in Saudi Arabia. Remember they've been to Abu Dhabi, which is in the United Arab Emirates. And the last thing was misfits boxing is this weekend. So Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul, and, and Dylan Dennis is overseas, they will be boxing against uh, each other. And KSI, another YouTube sensation, he'll be boxing Tommy Fury, who recently beat Jake Paul, Logan Paul's brother. The press conference is going on right about now. and But this is a podcast, so I'm sure that not, doesn't matter to you. What I can tell you is uh, it's available on our site. If you just go to the article that talks about the prime card, go there and check it out. Remember the last time uh, it was chaos goes. It was chaos again. Was so it? Okay. It was going on during the show and I could kind of see it off to the right. And um, Logan Paul threw a water bottle at uh, Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis went up to him and threw a, one of the ugliest punches I've ever seen, but it, it did kind of land on his head. And then everybody got in there and broke it up. But, uh, but yeah, he did throw a strike at him. I wonder if he was hoping he broke his hand so he wouldn't have to fight. I could tell you, you could just tell Dylan Dallas doesn't want to fight, but he wants mm-hmm. to get paid. I don't think it's going to go well for him. And that's not to say I think Logan Paul's the most amazing boxer, but he is a pretty big dude. I'm pretty sure he, he, uh, would be glad that USADA wasn't with the UFC if he was with the UFC, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Dylan Dennis is just not a striker in the least bit. He hasn't competed much in the last few years in anything, but he's Dylan Dennis. He's pretty popular, so I'm gonna check out the press conference. And don't forget, this weekend is UFC Fight Night 230 with Sadiq Youssef and Edson Barbosa. Jennifer Maya, Viviana Araujo is your co-main event. Jonathan Martinez against Adrian Yanez. Can't complain about that. Great matchup. Uh, Michelle Pajeda debuts as a middleweight. He fights Andre Protosky. So, good card put together by the UFC. And we'll, of course, cover it all. The Misfits event, the UFC, and all this latest news pertaining to all the cards coming up. The same way we did yesterday, man. Yesterday was crazy uh, with all the changes for UFC 294, but we were there. Uh, One last thing, if you haven't had a chance, vote for MMA Junkie for Best Media Source and Nolan King for Best Journalist. I I don't think I've heard that they shut down the voting. And if they did, then maybe we're a little late to the party. But worldmmaawards.com 
it only takes about I'm like I'm not gonna lie, it takes about five to ten minutes, depending how fast you are, because you will have to put in your email and then you go through the list of uh, like twenty to twenty-five categories of vote for, and then you're done. All right, with that, we're out of here. Go out and be a champion and enjoy your weekend.